Thank you for downloading and welcome. This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals and it brings you medical information about clinical guidelines by the National Institute for Clinical Excellence, or NICE, from a primary care perspective. My name is Fernando Florido and I'm a GP in the United Kingdom. In this episode, I am going to tell you about the NICE guidelines on hypertension in adults, diagnosis and management, or NG136 guideline which was updated on the 18th of March, 2022. In this episode, I am going to summarize the main body of the guideline and I will provide links in the episode description to other guidance where indicated. I have also uploaded YouTube videos on this subject and other nice guidance. A link to access the YouTube channel can be found in the episode description. Aseva, All information is correct at the time of recording and all views and opinions are my own. I hope that you enjoy this episode. This guideline covers identifying and treating primary hypertension in people aged 18 and over, including people with type 2 diabetes. It aims to reduce the risk of cardiovascular problems such as heart attacks and strokes by helping healthcare professionals to diagnose hypertension accurately and treated effectively. In March 2022, the updated guideline reviewed the evidence and made new recommendations on blood pressure targets for people who have both hypertension and cardiovascular disease. And the review also reassessed evidence on antihypertensive drug treatment and made a new recommendation to cover people who have both hypertension and cardiovascular disease and also reassessed evidence on antihypertensive drug treatment and made a new recommendation to cover people who have both hypertension and cardiovascular disease. NICE has also produced a guideline on hypertension in pregnancy and I will put the link to this in the episode description. This guideline includes a variety of recommendations including diagnosis, treatment and monitoring. The recommendations on measuring blood pressure and diagnosing hypertension in this guideline apply to all adults, including those with type 2 diabetes. The recommendations on treatment and monitoring also apply to adults with type 2 diabetes. Now, in terms of measuring blood pressure, because automated devices may not measure blood pressure accurately if there is pulse irregularity, for example due to atrial fibrillation, we need to palpate the radial or brachial pulse before measuring the blood pressure. If pulse irregularity is present, we will need to measure blood pressure manually using direct auscultation over the brachial artery. When measuring blood pressure in the clinic or in the home, we need to standardize the environment and provide a relaxed, temperate setting with the person quiet and seated and their arm outstretched and supported. We will also need to use an appropriate cuff size for the person's arm. In people with symptoms of postural hypotension, for example, when there are falls or postural dizziness, first we will measure the blood pressure with the person either supine or seated, and then measure the blood pressure again with the person standing for at least one minute before measurement. Then, if the systolic blood pressure falls by 20 millimeters of mercury or more when the person is standing, then we will need to review the medication, 
we will measure subsequent blood pressure readings with a person standing and we will consider referral to specialist care if symptoms of postural hypertension persist. When considering the diagnosis of hypertension, we will need to measure the blood pressure in both arms and if the difference in readings between arms is more than 15 millimeters of mercury, we will repeat the measurements. And if the difference in readings between the arms remains more than 15 millimeters of mercury on the second measurement, we will measure subsequent blood pressures in the arm with a higher reading. If blood pressure measured in the clinic is 180 over 120 millimeters of mercury or higher, we will identify who and how to refer for further investigation and management and a section about this will be addressed later on in this guideline. If blood pressure measured in the clinic is 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury or higher, we will take a second measurement during the consultation and if the second measurement is substantially different from the first, we will take a third measurement. Then we will record the lower of the two measurements as the clinic blood pressure. Then if the clinic blood pressure is between 140 over 90 and 180 over 120 millimeters of mercury, we will offer ambulatory blood pressure monitoring to confirm the diagnosis of hypertension. And if ambulatory blood pressure monitoring is unsuitable or the person is unable to tolerate it, we will offer home blood pressure monitoring to confirm the diagnosis. While waiting for confirmation of a diagnosis of hypertension, we will carry out investigations for target organ damage, and there is a section later in this guideline covering this, followed by a formal assessment of cardiovascular risk using a cardiovascular risk assessment tool, and there is also a section later in this guideline covering this. When using ambulatory blood pressure monitoring to confirm a diagnosis of hypertension, we will ensure that at least two measurements per hour are taken during the person's usual waking hours, for example between 8 in the morning and 10 at night. And we will use the average value of at least 14 measurements taken during the person's usual waking hours to confirm a diagnosis of hypertension. When using home blood pressure monitoring to confirm a diagnosis of hypertension, we will ensure that for each blood pressure recording, two consecutive measurements are taken at least one minute apart and with the person seated, and the blood pressure is recorded twice a day, ideally in the morning and evening, and the blood pressure recording continues for at least four days, but ideally for seven days. We will discard the measurements taken on the first day and use the average value of all the remaining measurements to confirm a diagnosis of hypertension. We will confirm a diagnosis of hypertension in people with a clinic blood pressure of 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury or higher and an ambulatory blood pressure monitoring or home blood pressure monitoring average of 135 over 85 millimeters of mercury or higher. If hypertension is not diagnosed, but there is evidence of target organ damage, we will consider carrying out investigations for alternative causes of the target organ damage. If hypertension is not diagnosed, 
We will measure the person's clinic blood pressure at least every five years subsequently, and we will consider measuring it more frequently if the person's clinic blood pressure is close to 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury. We will, however, measure blood pressure at least annually in adults with type 2 diabetes without previously diagnosed hypertension or renal disease. And we will consider the need for specialist investigations in people with signs and symptoms suggesting a secondary cause of hypertension. We will use a formal estimation of cardiovascular risk to discuss prognosis and healthcare options, and we will estimate the cardiovascular risk in line with the NICE recommendations on identifying and assessing cardiovascular risk. And I will put a link to this guideline in the episode description. We will use clinic blood pressure measurements to calculate the cardiovascular risk. For all people with hypertension, we will offer investigations for target organ damage, which will include all of the following. We will test for the presence of protein in the urine by sending a urine sample for estimation of the albumin-creatinine ratio and we will test for hematuria using a reagent strip. We will take a blood sample to measure glycated hemoglobin or HbA1c, electrolytes, creatinine, estimated glomerular filtration rate, total cholesterol and HDL cholesterol. We will examine the fundi for the presence of hypertensive retinopathy and we will arrange for a 12-lead ECG. When it comes to treating and monitoring hypertension, we will offer lifestyle advice. So we will encourage a healthy diet and regular exercise because they can reduce blood pressure. We will encourage a reduced intake of alcohol if they drink excessively because this can reduce blood pressure and has broader health benefits. We will discourage excessive consumption of coffee and other caffeine-rich products. And we will also encourage people to keep their dietary sodium intake low, either by reducing or substituting sodium salt, as this can reduce blood pressure. We need to be aware that salt substitutes containing potassium chloride should not be used by older people, people with diabetes, pregnant women, people with kidney disease and people taking some antihypertensive drugs such as ACE inhibitors and angiotensin II receptor blockers. We will just encourage salt reduction in these groups. We will not offer calcium, magnesium or potassium supplements as a method for reducing blood pressure. And we will offer advice and help to smokers to stop smoking. In respect of starting antihypertensive drug treatment, NICE has produced a patient decision aid on treatment options for hypertension to help people and their healthcare professionals discuss the different types of treatment and make a decision that is right for each person. A link to this aid is in the episode description. We will offer antihypertensive drug treatment in addition to lifestyle advice to adults of any age with persistent stage 2 hypertension, which is a clinic blood pressure of 160 over 100 millimeters of mercury or higher, but less than 180 over 120 millimeters of mercury, and subsequent ambulatory blood pressure monitoring or home blood pressure monitoring average blood pressure of 150 over 95 millimeters of mercury or higher. 
We will use our clinical judgment for people of any age with frailty or multimorbidity. We will discuss starting antihypertensive drug treatment in addition to lifestyle advice with adults aged under 80 with persistent stage 1 hypertension, which is a clinic blood pressure ranging from 140 over 90 to 159 over 99 millimeters of mercury and subsequent ambulatory blood pressure monitoring or home blood pressure monitoring average blood pressure ranging from 135 over 85 to 149 over 94 millimeters of mercury if they have one of the following target organ damage cardiovascular disease renal disease diabetes or an estimated 10-year risk of cardiovascular disease of 10% or more but we will consider the antihypertensive drug treatment if the risk is below 10% bearing in mind that the risk calculation may underestimate the lifetime probability of developing cardiovascular disease. We will again use clinical judgment for people with frailty or multimorbidity. And there is a specific NICE guideline about this and I will put the link in the episode description. We will consider antihypertensive drug treatment for people aged over 18 with stage 1 hypertension if the clinical blood pressure is over 150 over 90 millimeters of mercury. For adults aged under 40 with hypertension, we will consider seeking specialist evaluation of secondary causes of hypertension. Now, when it comes to monitoring treatment and blood pressure targets, for specific recommendations on blood pressure control in people with other conditions or who are pregnant, there is a specific guidance for people with CKD, type 1 diabetes and who are pregnant. There are separate NICE guidelines for these and I will put links in the episode description. So again, when it comes to monitoring treatment and blood pressure targets, we will use clinic blood pressure measurements to monitor the response to treatment we will measure both standing as well as seated blood pressure in people with hypertension and type 2 diabetes or with symptoms of postural hypertension or if they're aged 80 or over. In people with a significant postural drop or symptoms of postural hypertension, we will treat to a blood pressure target based on the standing blood pressure. We will consider ambulatory blood pressure monitoring or home blood pressure monitoring in addition to clinic blood pressure measurements for people with a white coat effect or masked hypertension in which clinic and non-clinic blood pressure results are conflicting. Being aware that the corresponding measurements for ambulatory blood pressure monitoring and home blood pressure monitoring are 5 millimeters of mercury lower than for clinic measurements. Now, when setting blood pressure targets, for adults under 80, we will reduce the clinic blood pressure to below 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury. For adults aged 80 and over, we will reduce the clinic blood pressure to below 150 over 90, using a clinical judgment for people with frailty or multimorbidity. When using the ambulatory blood pressure monitor, or home blood pressure monitor, we will use the average blood pressure level 
aiming to reduce it to below 135 over 85 millimeters of mercury in adults under 80 and below 145 over 85 millimeters of mercury for adults aged 80 and over. We will use the same blood pressure targets for people with and without cardiovascular disease and we will provide an annual review of care for adults with hypertension. Finally, when diabetes is diagnosed, we will review the antihypertensive medication, making changes if drug treatment is not appropriate because of microvascular complications or metabolic problems. When it comes to choosing antihypertensive drug treatment for people with or without type 2 diabetes, we need to be aware that ACE inhibitors and angiotensin 2 receptor antagonists should not be used in pregnant or breastfeeding women or women planning pregnancy unless absolutely necessary, in which case the potential risks and benefits should be discussed. There is MHRA guidance in this respect and I will put the link to this in the episode description. For guidance on choice of hypertensive agent in people with chronic kidney disease or women considering pregnancy or who are pregnant or breastfeeding, we will follow separate guidance specific to this area and the link to this guidance will also appear in the episode description. Whenever possible, we will offer treatment with drugs taken only once a day and we will prescribe generic drugs to minimize the cost. We will offer people with isolated systolic hypertension, that is a systolic blood pressure of 160 millimeters of mercury or more, the same treatment as people with both raised systolic and diastolic blood pressure. When choosing antihypertensive drug treatment for adults of black African or African Caribbean family origin, we will consider an angiotensin 2 receptor blocker or ARB in preference to an ACE inhibitor. For people with cardiovascular disease, we will follow the recommendations for disease-specific indications in the NICE guideline of their condition. Relevant recommendations include acute coronary syndromes, acute and chronic heart failure, stable angina and type 2 diabetes. And links to these specific guidelines will be available in the episode description. Now, for step 1 treatment, we will offer an ACE inhibitor or an ARB to adults who either have type 2 diabetes and are of any age or family origin, or are aged under 55 but not of Black African or African Caribbean family origin. If an ACE inhibitor is not tolerated, for example because of cough, we will offer an ARB to treat hypertension instead and we will not combine an ACE inhibitor with an ARB to treat hypertension alone. We will offer a calcium channel blocker to adults who are aged 55 or over and do not have type 2 diabetes or are of black African or African Caribbean family origin and do not have type 2 diabetes, again of any age. If a calcium channel blocker is not tolerated, for example because of edema, we will offer a thiazide-like diuretic to treat hypertension. If there is evidence of heart failure, we will offer a thiazide-like diuretic and follow the NICE guideline on chronic heart failure. 
If starting with changing diuretic treatment for hypertension, we will offer a thiazide-like diuretic such as indapamide in preference to a conventional thiazide diuretic such as pentaflumethiazide or hydrochlorothiazide. However, for adults with hypertension already having treatment with pentaflumethiazide or hydrochlorothiazide who have stable, well-controlled blood pressure, we will continue with the current treatment. Now for step 2 treatment, if hypertension is not controlled taking an ACE inhibitor or an ARB, we will add one of the following drugs, either a calcium channel blocker or a thiazide-like diuretic. If hypertension is not controlled taking a calcium channel blocker, we will add one of the following drugs, either an ACE inhibitor or an ARB, and this is in preference to ACE inhibitors in adults of Black African or African Caribbean family origin, or a thiazide-like diuretic. Now for step 3 treatment, if hypertension is not controlled, taking step 2 treatment, we will offer triple therapy as a combination of an ACE inhibitor or ARB, again the latter in preference for people of Black African or African Caribbean family origin, and a calcium channel blocker, and a thiazide-like diuretic. And finally, for step 4 treatment, if hypertension is not controlled taking triple therapy, we will regard them as having resistant hypertension. And before considering further treatment, we will confirm the elevated clinic blood pressure measurements using ambulatory or home blood pressure recordings. We will assess for postural hypertension and we will discuss adherence. For people with confirmed resistant hypertension, we will consider adding a fourth antihypertensive drug as step for treatment or seeking specialist advice. When adding a fourth drug, we will consider further diuretic therapy with a low dose of spironolactone when the blood potassium level is 4.5 millimoles per litre or less. And we will be particularly cautious in people with a reduced estimated glomerular filtration rate because they have an increased risk of hyperkalemia. When doing this, we will monitor blood sodium and potassium and renal function within one month of starting treatment and repeat as needed thereafter. We will consider an alpha blocker or beta blocker as a fourth drug for those who have a blood potassium level of more than 4.5 millimoles per litre. If blood pressure remains uncontrolled, taking four drugs, we will seek specialist advice. We will refer people for specialist assessments carried out on the same day if they have a clinic blood pressure of 180 over 120 millimeters of mercury or higher with signs of retinal hemorrhage or papilledema, which is what we will call accelerated hypertension, or life-threatening symptoms such as new onset confusion, chest pain, signs of heart failure or acute kidney injury. We will also refer people for specialist assessments carried out on the same day if they have suspected pheochromocytoma, for example, labile or postural hypertension, headache, palpitations, pallor, abdominal pain or diaphoresis. If a person has a clinic blood pressure of 180 over 120 or higher, but no symptoms or signs, 
We will carry out investigations for target organ damage as soon as possible, including all of the following. Testing for the presence of protein in the urine by sending a urine sample for estimation of the albumin-creatinine ratio and testing for hematuria using a reagent strip. Taking a blood sample to measure glycated hemoglobin or HbA1c, electrolytes, creatinine, estimated glomerular filtration rate, total cholesterol and HDL cholesterol. Examining the fundi for the presence of hypertensive retinopathy and arranging for a 12-lead ECG. And then, if target organ damage is identified, we will consider starting antihypertensive drug treatment immediately without waiting for the results of the ambulatory blood pressure monitor or home blood pressure monitor. However, if no target organ damage is identified, we will confirm the diagnosis by repeating clinic blood pressure measurements within seven days or by considering an ambulatory blood pressure monitor or home blood pressure monitor and we will review also within seven days. We have come to the end of the actual guideline but I, th I think it is worth going through the definitions of the terms used by NICE in this guideline and these are accelerated hypertension this is defined as a severe increase in blood pressure to 180 over 120 millimeters of mercury or higher and often over 220 over 120 millimeters of mercury with signs of retinal hemorrhage and or papilledema. It is usually associated with new or progressive target organ damage and is also known as malignant hypertension. The term established cardiovascular disease refers to a medical history of ischemic heart disease, cerebrovascular disease, peripheral vascular disease, aortic aneurysm or heart failure. Cardiovascular disease is usually associated with the buildup of fatty deposits inside the arteries or atherosclerosis and an increased risk of blood clots. The concept of masked hypertension refers to when the clinic blood pressure measurements are normal, that is less than 140 over 90 millimeters of mercury, but blood pressure measurements are higher when taken outside the clinic using an ambulatory blood pressure monitor or a home blood pressure monitor. Stage 1 hypertension is when the clinic blood pressure ranges from 140 over 90 to 159 over 99 millimeters of mercury and subsequent ambulatory blood pressure monitor or home blood pressure monitor average blood pressure ranges from 135 over 85 to 149 over 94 millimeters of mercury. Stage 2 hypertension is when the clinical blood pressure is 160 over 100 millimeters of mercury or higher but less than 180 over 120 millimeters of mercury and subsequent ambulatory blood pressure monitoring or home blood pressure monitoring average blood pressure is 150 over 95 millimeters of mercury or higher. And stage 3 or severe hypertension is when the clinic systolic blood pressure is 180 millimeters of mercury or higher or the clinic diastolic blood pressure measurement is 120 millimeters mercury or higher. Target organ damage is defined as damage to organs such as the heart, brain, kidneys and eyes. Examples are left ventricular hypertrophy, 
chronic kidney disease, hypertensive retinopathy, or increased urine albumin creatinine ratio. And finally, a white coat effect is defined as a discrepancy of more than 20 over 10 millimeters of mercury between clinic and ambulatory blood pressure or home blood pressure measurements at the time of diagnosis. We have come to the end of this episode. I hope that you have enjoyed it and found it useful and I hope that you will join me in the next one. Thank you for listening and goodbye.